0: How should we view the Dallas Cowboys in the landscape of the NFC? Are they primed for a Super Bowl run? It's Dallas Cowboys day, and we are breaking them down from every angle today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are locked on NFL scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast
1: Network, your team every day.
0: What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Lockdown Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash lockdown NFL. And when you enter promo code On NFL, They'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Kyle, welcome and of course a big welcome to our everydayers. Thank you for being here.
1: Hard to beat the offer of a tumbler, right? I like a tumbler. you know me. Mine's on the way. I should have it soon. I got a, a little mini locked on mug here right oh, okay. now. But the tumbler's gonna take its place. Yeah. And bird there'll moms. be no more cans, no more free advertising. For my energy beverages. Oh, you know? I got
0: a feeling there's going to be some free advertising in the future for your energy beverages. How have we not landed an energy beverage sponsor? It's the, the mysteries of life. All right,
1: These well, guys that's... just said, "Hey," or we said, "We said, hey guys, we want to give us some money to pump your product," and they said, "I'm not going to."
0: I'm not going to. So quit asking. Did you? Did you hit the soundboard? I did. I, I did. Yeah. Okay. I would Saban have no idea.
1: Savin makes his debut on on Locked On NFL Scouting. Have no idea what you got going over there. That'd be cool if I did, though. I got some stuff. I got some some bits of you too. Oh God! You probably just played one. and I have oh, no God. idea. Yeah. And you know what you said in the clip that I had? What? Oh God! Then <laughs> <Did> you just say. <laughs>
0: you know, sometimes it writes itself, man.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's great. Dallas Cowboys day here today. A lot of it NFL is. scouting. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino. Your team every day. It's Dallas Cowboys team today. And this is a good roster. Obviously, this team won a lot of football games, has has won a lot of football games the last couple of years. They um, have made some big changes. Trading for Brandon Cooks, I think, is an improvement to the skill group. If part ways with Ezekiel Elliott, for now. We don't know if that's going to stay that way. Zeke's going to land somewhere and wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being on Dallas on a reduced contract. The addition of Mozzie Smith at defensive tackle is the antithesis of everything they've ever tried to add in an interior defensive lineman over the last several years. See, we think we think they got the nose tackle position right. Sounds like Micah Parsons kind of changed his body compos- composition a little bit. Uh, they're going to keep him playing forward, and obviously, that's it's a great plan for how good Micah Parsons has been as an NFL pass rusher. Bid farewell to. A couple of starting players, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. You think about Dalton Schultz leaving in free agency. Uh, one of the two Connor McGoverns across the NFL has departed Dallas. Joe, there's some changes here for this Dallas Cowboys team. We're going to start over on the offensive side of the ball, which we kind of teased already with with trading for Brandon Cooks. What do you think of this Dallas Cowboys squad offensively? And I think I really... Spoil segment three.
0: No, we won't. Um, I really like the addition of Brandon Cooks to this offense. I think that style of player, another player, another weapon is really necessary. Uh, CeeDee Lamb is an absolute superstar. Um, Love how he's developed and what he's going to mean for this offense for a long, long time. Michael Gallup, um, you know, I think he's kind of had a rough go coming back from his injury from a couple of years ago and, you know, maybe further removed this coming season. We can see a better version of him, but didn't love what I watched on tape from Michael Gallup this morning. And so the arrival of Brandon cooks, I think is necessary, um, but also a, a good addition overall uh, maybe take some of that away from Gallup and not be as much reliant on him. And so I, I, I like lamb and cooks is that one, two punch. Um, and then hopefully Gallup can, you know, continue to find himself and, and restore the promise that he had a little bit earlier in his career. But not a lot of depth at receiver. You know, it'd be, ideally Jalen Tolbert can emerge and take a step forward, but yeah, I don't think you can afford to have any injuries here. Um, but I do like the makeup of that top three with Cooks, Lamb,
1: and Gallup. What do you think of this wide receiver group relative to what we're We're expecting some of the offensive changes to be right. Kellen Moore is out. Brian Schottenheimer is in. It sounds like uh, Mike McCarthy's gonna be even more involved in the offense a little bit more traditional mccarthy O as compared to you know kelly moore was a little bit more aggressive down the field type stuff so how do you think the skill group assimilates with that
0: we're thinking what more west coast uh, principles yeah. with mike mccarthy i don't know um I liked a lot of those vertical components that they had. And then they brought in
1: Brandon Cooks.
0: Right. And and that's what I was getting to is Brandon Cooks, I think, accentuates that. I mean, um, they never had that type of player. I mean, even CeeDee Lamb's athletic, but he's not a burner, right? They have legit speed and juice in in Cooks. And I think the spacing of the offense could be really good, Um, even if they're resetting at tight end. Like you mentioned, Dalton Schultz is no longer part of the mix. Jake Ferguson slash Luke Schoonmaker – uh, slash Peyton Hendershot kind of your group there um, and so also a little bit different that running back right with Tony Pollard coming off of an injury set to take over this backfield and you know as of now Zeke Elliott's not around and you're leaning on this depth of Ronald Jones who's you know he doesn't move the needle for me in any way shape or form Deuce Vaughn and Malik Davis is your depth there so you know I, I think you've even theory got something good here. I I think depth across the board. And obviously we need someone at tight end to um, take hold of this and give them that type of weapon to round out the entire arsenal for Dak.
1: So let's read the quote from McCarthy in Indianapolis. When asked about the offense, it's most fun I've had since I've been in Dallas. He's taking over the play calling duties. Uh, just to be in the meeting room again with the coaches full time, just go eight to eleven thirty and break, and you're talking nothing but scheme. I haven't had that, so that part's different. He said that Dee Kellamore did quote an excellent job, but the coach felt it was quote a good time to make a change. Uh, He's not expecting quote wholesale changes, but notice or, and noticed that noted that he liked the run pass ratio last year. Suggested that 30 to 35 percent of the offense would change after parting ways. That's with a lot, Kellen by the way. That's a third of the offense, yeah. Yeah, it's not 100%, so maybe it doesn't qualify as wholesale changes, but it's not nothing. Yeah, it's not nothing. Um, We can all use a sense of motivation and challenge. It's a new voice. This is a new challenge for Dak. His words, I think he's very excited about it. It's a chance to go from the different variations of the offense that were in place. He's ready to take another turn as far as the variation of what we're getting ready to do. We're going to build off what he has established is how Mike McCarthy in Indianapolis described how the offense will be different. And and maybe there's some context clues with adding Brandon Cooks that not not to say Brandon Cooks is only a vertical plane receiver, right? But if you think about where he wins and where CD has been so impressive and what this offense has been, it is a lot of down the field stuff. And and if you're going to lean more into... That 33% that's changing is heavier emphasis on the quick game. You know, they're, they're physically capable players, but I do think that it makes this a little bit of a chemistry experience. This chemistry experiment early on and makes what you have up front and your ability to run the football all that much more important for you to have early success on offense.
0: I do like this offensive line. The starting offensive line is very formidable um tyler smith i love the in-season growth from him as a first round pick i hope he plays left tackle for them i think that's going to be his home you might as well go ahead and put him there Uh, tyron smith i mean if he can be healthy we know what he can do tyler beatis is a nice solid starting center and then i mean zach martin hall of fame type career still playing at an elite level and terrence Steele's a really rock solid right tackle now i I, am concerned about the depth you have young players that are really unproven and some guys that have played and you haven't liked what you saw here. So I don't think you can have injuries like you've had in the past up front, but this starting five, if it can stay intact, I think it's, it's
1: one of the better ones in the league. So Tyler Smith did some stuff at OTAs at tackle. uh, But for mini camp, this, this update came out this week. Uh, Tyron Smith is back at left tackle and Tyler Smith is back at left guard. So, Maybe they're just in the process of trying to find the right combination of fits, but it doesn't necessarily seem like it's set in stone because if it was set in stone, the Tyler Smith's your left tackle, you would probably, after mm-hmm. he oh, You would want him to get all the reps there to get ready for the season.
0: I think they're both going to start. It's just a matter of where. And I don't know. Like, Shouldn't you know this? And just let them gel and work together in those spots. Like,
1: that's I feel something like always, I I always struggle with. Is it's like, are you doing yourself a disservice to just presume and not collect the information and do it? But you should, or you have a preconceived bias of of where you want these guys to end up working out. So I, don't I, don't, I don't think I don't know. There's an easy answer there. At least You're, this early in the process,
0: they're both going to start. Like, I think that's where that's where I look at this a little bit differently. Like if they were competing for the same job and you wanted to rotate them in. Okay. But like, they're going to start, and they're going to start at two different positions. And so like, I would, I would be angling towards that. Like you should have a pretty good idea. You've been with Tyron Smith for like a decade. You've had Tyler Smith for over a year now in your building. You know what well, you plan is. Especially after
1: Tyler played so much of the season last year at left tackle.
0: Right. I mean, to the point where like, Tyron Smith is playing on the other side and Jason Peters is, is playing different spots. Like what now? Like, why does this have to continue? We did this already. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'd like to just see him settle into a spot and become a dominant player. He's still really, really young. Um, and he has a really high ceiling, but I just want to see him get in that spot, get the muscle memory, get the technique, get the nuances of that position and, and reach that ceiling that
1: is incredibly high in my opinion. So that's, Nuts and bolts of offense. I know we're going to come back to the offense for segment three. Anything yeah. else you want to tackle here?
0: No, I, I just – let's tease that. Dak, a conversation a – a bigger conversation about Dak and some of the other changes we'd like to see on the offense, that is still coming as part of our conversation today. But first, folks, got to tell you about bird dogs. I absolutely love what they offer. Their shorts and their joggers, they are outstanding. They Cozy. make you look – good they've got these uh stretch khaki shorts they're designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg to give you a really sculpted look uh they're better than regular shorts they're not stiff they don't have that restricting cotton they're uh, really well designed um they've invented this cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so that you kind of get a slimmer fit and you don't have to sacrifice any movement and also check this out bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So check them out. Go to birddogs.com slash lockdown NFL and enter promo code lockdown NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash lockdown NFL. You can grab that free Yeti style tumbler. And I'll tell you what, get yourself some of these bird dogs.
1: You won't want to take them off. We promise you. You said anti stick wicking material,
0: anti stink sweat Steak. wicking yeah
1: sweat it's a, wicking it's a word it's hard to say that you know it sounds like an epic like movie title Don't mm. you make that movie see what happens I, I i don't think i make the movies but we might want to print some shirts i have that in <laughs> pronunciation police is the shirts that we need to get some pronunciation
0: on. police are after me man they've been after me for about seven years <laughs> can't believe i've been locked up yet
1: you get so offended It's like, I'm sorry, it's a hard
0: name to say, and I don't say it all the time. I don't
1: get it right every time. And you have a dialect, right? Like, people in different regions of of the world say different nouns differently. Not even the world, the country.
0: It's like, does anybody want to talk about football, or do you want to talk about the way that I pronounce a player's name? People where you're from call toboggans hats, or call hats toboggans. Yes, in in North Carolina. It's outrageous. They call a hat, right, like a regular snow cap. A toboggan. What? It's a sled. A toboggan's a sled. Man, they call shopping carts buggies. It's crazy over here, man. Buggies are
1: like a kind of car in England, I think.
0: Get yourself a buggy. Push it around the cart, uh, the store and fill it up with your groceries.
1: Can't. I can't.
0: Anyway. It's
1: the way we roll. Anyway, we're moving right. on here. It's I
0: out get, on the table.
1: Get, get, get him, you're real animated. Let's talk about this defense. This defense is good. Dan Quinn back for another year feels like the cherry on top, right? Like They left last season, and you're kind of thinking Dan Quinn might be out the door because this defense, statistically speaking, has been so good for the last two years. Nope, he's back again, and he's got all of the heavy hitters with him between Trayvon Diggs, Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, Leighton Van Der Esch. I'm sorry, Donovan Wilson's a stud. He's I'm going to give yeah. him all the flowers in the world. He is an absolute stud. And, oh, by the way, you got Stephon Gilmore this offseason as well.
0: I think one of the biggest things about Dan Quinn returning, and I and I mean this very respectfully, is that he maximizes this personnel. It is different, right? This is a collection of defensive talent that is not very traditional, and I think he really just knows how to get the most out of these players in this style of defense where I would worry about – a different play caller and a different mastermind inheriting this and, in maintaining what he's gotten from these players. Um, and so I think that's a, a big deal with the return of Dan Quinn is, is his ability to continue with this, with this group and, you know, some upgrades in some areas as well. Um, this edge group is insanely deep. Uh, yes. I mean, you got some absolute studs and, you know, Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons is kind of your feature players, but I mean, a yeah, really high quality depth in Dorrance Armstrong uh, Dante Fowler, Chauncey Golston. I mean, even Sam Williams, as a rookie last year, really showed some some promising moments. Explosive. There's a lot there, man. There's just they they have waves on waves of, of edge rushers that they can throw at uh, throw at an offense. Now, where I think you have bigger questions is on the interior. I love the arrival of Mozzie Smith. I think he's everything that this defense has been missing. But you're still. going to rely on a pretty high volume of snaps from guys like Osa who I think has rush potential. I'm concerned about his run defense. Neville Gallimore who I was completely underwhelmed with studying him this morning and then John Hankins who you know for a couple years now he hasn't really been the player that I've enjoyed as a high quality A-gap defender and we need him to find himself. So not as not any questions on the edge quite a few questions on the interior of this defensive
1: line. So let me ask you a question it has to do with Mozzie Smith. It has to do with John Hankins. Is there a world in which we would live in in which Mozzie Smith and John Hankins on the field at the same time as your interior duo is the best iteration that you can have if you're the Dallas Cowboys? It's first uh, and yeah. 10.
0: Oh, yeah, no question. I, I think so for
1: sure. Because like, Mozzie's so athletic.
0: He's, like what's he, not. And he has much potential
1: too. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is not. Yeah. This is not a lump on a log and a bog in the bottom of the lake, right? Like this guy can really. We did that kids book oh, today. That was you know, so like. impressive. What you just, like when you get to the end there, it's just so much to say.
0: That's. Uh, yeah, draft. No, that, that was it's a good play. Again. No, that was um, a good play. Clip that. Put it on the soundboard. <laughs> that was tremendous. Came out smooth.
1: No pronunciation. Mozzie can get at, like, the the skeptics on Mozzie will say, oh, he had half a sack in his college career, and I don't care. Watch the tape. He puts guys on skates. He'll power rush. He can win with finesse. He 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 had the heaviest hands of any defensive lineman in the class this year. So I would absolutely want to explore, like, yeah, if it's 3rd and 12, Osa's out there, right? Mm -hmm. But... You know, statistically speaking, this team from a, a defensive perspective, uh, last year they were middle of the pack in yards per attempt conceded and were 22nd in rushing yards allowed. And then you go back to 2021, and this team was once again uh, much better against the pass than they were against the rush. So that for me is just where. I think there's a ceiling with having the stout play in front, especially when you have such dynamic edge rushers in DeMarcus and Micah Parsons, that there's a part of me that would covet having a stout of interior play because you know you're still going to pressure opposing quarterbacks with those two guys being your outside guys. Because my and Micah, like Micah is just so elite that he is a pass rush player. He has that Aaron Donald effect where he is an individual player is going to put a high amount of stress on protection plans by himself, regardless of what the other players are around.
0: Well, and if you're Dallas, you're measuring yourself against Philadelphia and San Francisco, right? That that's the two best teams in the in the NFC, and then okay, Dallas, are you the third best team? And if you want to win the damn thing, you got to go through those teams. Well, if you're going to beat Philly and you're going to beat San Francisco, you better be able to defend the run, stop or, well, the run. I, yeah, I, I. I caught myself there but yeah almost, you gotta be yeah almost, we almost got a had, little impassioned no, huh? we almost got a little yeah exactly but you got to be able to hold up you got to be able to anchor and you got to be able to to play the run and um i think that's a critical part of this team um being able to take a step and i think mozzie smith really really helps them there uh
1: how about the the bounce back for leighton van Esch too nice yeah it looked good he had a really nice year last year we both put him in the light blue bucket for those of you who are not on youtube that that keys as a quality starter i mean joe vanderush was a player who like what was it two years ago they were talking about like uh, they're gonna cut him at the end of the Mm -hmm. year they were like excited to move on because kind of the durability things with with the neck issues and he has kind of bounced back and been a very formidable presence in the middle of this defense for the cowboys and it's great to see because you were worried about what his longevity was going to look like because of some of those neck issues where his he had the phenomenal rookie season in 2018. He was second-team AP All-Pro, made the Pro Bowl, and then he missed more than half the season in 2019, and he missed six games in 2020 and has managed to find a way to come back. He did miss three games last year, but the impact has been back to, to what your expectation was for Leighton Van Der Esch, and that's kind of an awesome success story for for them and, and a credit to what Dan Quinn has asked him to do in this defense.
0: Now we gotta find out his running mate, which I think is gonna be Damon Clark. he certainly came on last year. Um, I thought he had some good moments, but you know, they drafted DeMarvian overshone. And so I'm interested to see how that battle plays out. And I think it's probably gonna be Clark, but you know, that's where it's a little less stable. Um, compared to what you're seeing from LVE, um, talking about corner here, Trayvon Diggs, Stephon Gilmore. That looks like a good pair to me. Um, obviously, it's it's it, to me it's still feast or famine with Tra- Trayvon Diggs. He didn't give up as much this past year as he did two years ago, but you you get a lot of high impact plays in the ball. I loved the run defense and tackling this past season. That was a major um, improvement, but. He's still a guy that bites and jumps on things, and you know he's he's looking for those plays in the ball, and that comes at the expense of him, you know, kind of falling victim to some double moves and uh, falling off some route spacing in driving on stuff that vacates area that of the field that he's responsible for. So you like you there is feast or famine, but the high the high level stuff here and him becoming a better tackler and run defender, I think, was great
1: growth from from Trayvon Diggs last year. Joe, do you know how many turnovers the Cowboys have forced the last two seasons? A lot, fifty. Yeah, guess fifty, maybe more. Sixty-seven. Yeah, a ton. <laughs> Number ton. one in the NFL in turnovers the last two years, thirty-three and thirty-four respectively. Trayvon hmm. obviously has a huge hand in that. So does Dan Quinn. So do some of these other players that we've been talking about, Micah Parsons, and I think uh, we've already alluded to the name, but. The unsung hero for casual football fans—if you ask casual football fans about the Dallas Cowboys—they talk about Trayvon Diggs, they talk about Micah Parsons, they talk about Zeke and Pollard from a fantasy football perspective, and CD and Dak Prescott and Donovan Wilson can ball, man. This this feels like the perfect marriage of skill set with role within the defense and his instincts and how quickly he sees thing and how quickly he gets to the football is he, led the team in tackles last year and he is just in a, in the game that's played in sub. And we talk about it all the time for him amidst Malik hooker as a traditional high post player. And you also have J Ron curse as another versatile defender. Um, they've got a really exciting safety room in general, but mm-hmm. Donovan Wilson being the guy who's the chess piece and you can get down low and, utilize in the amount of ways that they have utilized him to allow him to quickly react to the football and make as many plays as he has, has just been an absolute treat. And like, I don't, I don't know that any casual football fan would, would sit here and pop off Donovan Wilson's name as like a key cog for the Dallas Cowboys defense.
0: Yeah, he was excellent. I I would agree with you. This safety room is outstanding. Hooker, Wilson curse. Uh, That's a really good top three, a lot of versatility there. And, Uh, you know, I think, I think curse is a player. I will see. He's no Wilson, but curse came in and made some big time plays for them last year and and was able to be versatile and, um, like the depth there for sure. I mean, even you get into Israel Mukawamu, um, as your fourth safety, you know, it's, it's a deep, it's a deep situation there. And then Deron Bland emerging as a kind of the nickel player, that slot was a nice revelation for them last year.
1: Yeah. Um, I I would not be surprised. I know Jordan Lewis banged up a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes Jordan Lewis's job and doesn't look back.
0: Would not be surprised either.
1: So how do you think Stephon Gilmore fits within what Dallas is doing schematically? Because there's a little bit of a change for him. Well,
0: I, I mean, I think Steph, Stephon Gilmore, I think bump and run, right? I think press, physical at the line of scrimmage. Um, And so I I like how he compliments Trayvon Diggs um, in a lot of ways. I think you have – if Diggs can continue from last year, I think you have two really physical tackling corners, uh, which matters a ton. But Gilmore, I think, is going to be a little bit more steady with his ability to stay in phase and um, just be really solid in coverage where I think you might get a little bit more big-time playmaking from Diggs. I think it's a good complementary group, especially with those safeties.
1: And then you can go to some matchup-type stuff and try and dictate – If if one, if if Steph's going to be the steady Eddie out of the group, right. And you want to try to facilitate the ball to Trayvon Diggs. You can put Stefan on one of these guys and hope that that's a pre-snap key. And then that allows Trayvon Diggs to kind of pick his spots on when to be aggressive and try and jump the football. So, and he's obviously had a lot of success with that the last two seasons.
0: All right, so there's the Dallas Cowboys defense. As we continue this conversation today on Locked On NFL Scouting, we will make sure that Kyle and I come to consensus on any disagreements with where we've labeled players. We want to talk about some offensive changes that we'd like to see and, of course, some conversation on Dak Prescott.
1: Okay, Joseph. We have one player to come to consensus on. And that player is Tyler Smith. Okay. For, for the record, you came in with Tyler Smith already pegged as a quality starter. I had just put in complete evaluation. We're not quite sure where he's going to start. You know long-term he's the left tackle. He did have phenomenal growth, and I, I would say if I were to put him in a bucket... Quality starter is probably the appropriate bucket to put him in. I'm. I would just ask: Do we have the information that we need right now to definitively put him in that bucket and not look back? How do we reconcile that against Ikemekwunu, who we gave the quality starter label to? Ikemekwunu taking snaps at a different spot.
0: No, right but now. that's going to be the difference. I, I think their their tape at left tackle was comparable down the stretch. Okay. Then we're going to put Tyler Smith. Or look, I we could also go. We could there could be an other side of this where we take away the quality starter label from I and put him in incomplete as well.
1: And then he just only gets a fraction of the points that he would be credited while acknowledging that if he was in a bucket that was not incomplete because he's only played one year, he would. Right. I think that's, that's where we
0: kind of stand on both these guys. Hmm. If we had to put him in a bucket to be quality starter, but I think there's more to learn. I mean, I could be a franchise cornerstone. So could Tyler Smith.
1: So you went in a direction I wasn't expecting you to go here.
0: Well, I just don't. I don't think we're as far apart on it, and I understand what you're we're saying.
1: Not. Yeah, yeah. If he's in a bucket that's not incomplete, he's a blue. He's this blue chip light blue. Yeah, light blue. I Do you have a preference? Is there any other congruency that we need to be concerned about with how we have addressed other players from the rookie class?
0: Uh, Evan Evan Neal will uh, not be <laughs> Giants fans. Close your ears. Close will ears. not will not be touching that that quality starter label anywhere uh, near.
1: Yeah, if we were putting in Evan Neal in in buckets,
0: what are we going to uh, do with like Charles Cross? I mean, is he going to go blue? You know what I mean? Like, we got a lot of these. To go through, cross is, a,
1: cross is a good one because Cross had a good year too, and so did Abraham Lucas. Right. Uh, why don't Why don't we put him in pink with the acknowledgement that like you're still going to get points that would reflect how good you were as a player? Okay, I dig it. And especially with Tyler, because we're we're not just not sure what how that offensive line is going to shake out. I think it does create a little bit of ambiguity. It never like, never mind the fact that Terrence Steele's coming back from an injury as well. So, like, there, there are some things to be determined on that offensive line.
0: I mean, we we gave Zion Johnson yesterday a pink. Uh, Kenyon Green, Cole Strange, both pinks as well. So, I think we kind of jumped the gun on Icky and then stabled off and we probably should stay. And,
1: and Icky, the Panthers were the second team that we did, right? It was the Colts yeah. first and then the yeah. Panthers second. The yeah. Panthers second. So, okay. So that that brings us to consensus on the Dallas Cowboys. Let me get them back up here on my screen so that we can share our screen with the final results for those of you who are tuning in on the YouTube channel. Now, Joe, um, where where would you like to tackle uh, the other questions that we have offensively for the Dallas Cowboys?
0: I'll start with, I, with what I think is the easier talking point, and it's that sign Zeke, like bring him back. Um, Tony Pollard's like he, franchise tag, and he's injured. And what
1: what else do you have? Nothing. I mean, you, you have you, nothing. You, okay, okay, hold on. A little disrespect for for Deuce Vaughn, right? Really? I, I mean,
0: we is he 150 pounds? I mean, is what can we really count on from Deuce Vaughn? Except for him being an outlier and a fun player at
1: Kansas State. I, I would agree with you wholeheartedly in, in actuality. That is he's gonna be a fun player. I think he's gonna be a scheme touch player for them, but and, and who knows, maybe he'll end up being a Darren Sproles type player. And I think that's his your ceiling, right? Is that's your dream come true. It's there's two examples of running backs of this stature that have gone on to have success in the NFL that were drafted. Uh, through the NFL combine since like 1999. And it was Darren Sproles and Tariq Cohen. And both you- of those guys were big time pass catcher type players. And none of them logged more than 100 rushes in a season in any season of their careers combined. So you just you- kind of know from a workload perspective, that's not the guy he's going to be. Now, if you calibrate your expectations appropriately, he could still be a very fun and impactful player.
0: Darren Sproles was like five, it was five, six, 190 pounds. There's like so much density to that frame. Where Deuce is five, five, okay, and 179
1: pounds. I just think that body type is so different. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying that would be yeah. your, your pathway to success. Right. And every player has a pathway to success, it's just how likely you are to find it. Even Jaquise Rogers was five six one
0: ninety-six. He's a fun player. Jaquise Yes. Greek Cohen. Five six That's that that's the guy. And he had the unfortunate injury, but he played at a level that convinced the Bears to give him a contract, right? Like he was right. showing them something. So right. but bottom line, I think Zeke, I, I hope he's back. Um I think they need him. It shouldn't – I mean, shouldn't be a big deal to acclimate him, right? He's plenty familiar with what's going on there.
1: Right. It's just a question of is is Zeke going to have a market elsewhere? And, like, let's be fair too, like, Zeke averaged 3.8 yards per carry last year. He did. And managed to lead the team in rushes by, like, 50 50 touches. Yeah, 12 touchdowns rushing. I mean, pass
0: pro – physical between the tackles. I don't know. He seems like a great complimentary player to,
1: to Pollard. Right. You just need to flip and skew the, the workload where Pollard, yep. when he's healthy, is getting the majority of the, of the work. No question. And you'll probably feel a lot less obligated to do that when you're not paying Zeke what you were paying Zeke and forcing him to 300 touches the last three seasons when he was clearly not the same player that he was before.
0: And if you're Zeke, wouldn't you take a little less to go to Dallas as opposed to, like, Tampa?
1: Like, why would you want to go to Tampa? You're going to have heavy boxes. Your O-line stinks. There's there's very few destinations for Zeke that I think would make more sense than Dallas. Right. Okay, so. So that's, that's the running back situation. Offensive line depth I don't feel great about either. No.
0: Their O line and receiver depth and running back depth is not good.
1: At least you know Cooper Rush can get you through four games because he did it for you last year. That's a that's a positive. Nice solid
0: lining. Collectively, the depth here is a concern on the on the on the offensive side of the football. I think in places on defense, I'm pretty comfortable with it.
1: Uh s- safety and edge, but other than that, I don't really love it either.
0: I would say maybe corner, just because. Okay, so,
1: right, yeah. I mean, they got some playing time last
0: year, and yeah, Lewis has been around, so.
1: Okay, and, and look, when when you pay the kind of big contracts that Dallas has paid the last several years, like they've paid to Demarcus Lawrence and what they paid to Zach Martin, and what they're paying Dak Prescott, and what they've been paying Ezekiel Elliott, right? Like pooling together a surplus of depth is never really going to be your thing. So you just have to invest in the right players. And and you can look back in hindsight on the Z contract and and lament that one. And that's been a roadblock for them that they're now clear of. And they'll transition and and find opportunities to spend elsewhere. I have to think Micah Parsons is going to be first up on that list. What's he going to get? 35? Yeah. Yep. Lots. Lots and lots, and and it'll be money well spent, and you'll never regret a cent. I promise you that. So it's not a surprise that the depth is a challenge. And by the way, Dallas, I think, has like top six cap space in the NFL right now, too, after the Zeke Elliott money's come free. So it's not like they're up against the cap. Like, they can add if they want to add, and they they can add not just a little bit, too.
0: They should. I mean... I think they're one of the best four teams in the
1: NFC. Go it's get it. He's a very it, realistic right? Super Bowl contender. Yeah. Now they'll have to get past the divisional round of the playoffs or, or hope they don't run into the 49ers because those have been games that have been really tough for them to get stuff going offensively against the last couple of you, years. But.
0: You're going to have to beat Philly or San Francisco in the, four, in the
1: playoffs. You're going to have to if you're Dallas. And you know who's going to be most critical to doing that? Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, and I know you had some thoughts on Dak. So, where do you want to take this conversation as we bring this to a close? Because there's a lot of different directions you could go. Yeah, I just think it was kind of tough to watch him at times last
0: year. Um, I, he's a good player. I, th- I th- you know, he's definitely. I don't. I don't want to put a number on it, but he's one of the better starting quarterbacks in the league. But the turnovers in the last two years have just been really, really hard to reconcile and what's frustrating about a lot of the turnovers is some of it is just being aggressive, but sometimes it's just like hard to reconcile what the thought process was with, with the throws. And I I guess I just wouldn't anticipate this type of an uptick in, in ball security issues at this stage in his career. Yeah. Right. Like wasn't really a problem. His first four or five years but the last two, and especially last year, just felt like he was really hurting the team with some of these, some of these turnovers that were just legitimately hard to reconcile.
1: Well, and, and we've heaped the flowers in Dak's direction, or at least I have, a number of times for Dak's evolution as a player, right? Comes in, wins 13 games as a rookie, starts every game, in 2016, and has 459 pass attempts, is highly efficient, but averages 229 yards per game 7.3 net yards per attempt, a phenomenal number. And then you go 9 and 7 and 10 and 6, and you kind of start to see them trust him a little bit more. There's these incremental gains in how many times he's asked to throw the football per game. And then 2019 happens, and you throw for 4,900 yards. And 306 yards a game, and you pass the ball almost 600 times, and then you come out in 2020, and you're on pace to throw for 6,000 yards, and you get hurt, and you miss the last 11 games of the season. And then he comes back in 2021, and that's kind of the the window that you're talking about, Joe, where the turnovers kind of start to peak. And and 3.8% of Dak's pass attempts last year were interceptions. He had 15 interceptions, tied for the league lead but did that on 394 attempts across 12 games. So that's where we always talk about Dak. We talk about, or at least when I always talk about Dak, I talk about Dak being at his best when it's not all on Dak. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: When you have an offensive identity that has complementary components and we're not just going to go back and throw the ball. What's 222 divided by five? It's over 40 attempts a game. He averaged in 2019 before in 2020 before he got hurt. And it was like four and a quarter games that he played in. He got hurt in the first half against the Giants, I think it was. So, does a little bit more of a traditional West Coast remove some of those high-risk decisions, especially when you don't have the running backfield stable in a position right now that makes you feel like you're going to continue to lean into throwing the ball? Is this the next step of the evolution? Is that what Mike McCarthy was talking about in Indianapolis? I kind of hope so. Because if it's not, then yeah, you're probably going to continue to see high peaks, but some frustrating valleys as well because you're asking your quarterback to do so much. And when he came into the league, that's not what he was, and he's evolved and grown and mastered this offense, and that's great, but now you're changing stuff up on him. So...
0: Yeah, I think that's a lot of why I want to see Zeke back. I want to see them be able to have a running game that they can really lean on. And I think more timing-based throws is a good thing um, for Dak. I also – but I, I I don't want to neuter him. You know what I mean? I I still think right. he makes dynamic throws and plays down the field that I want to see. I think you just have to strike that balance between run game involvement, timing throws, and then when to challenge defenses down the field. Um, and striking that balance is going to be – huge for mike mccarthy as he you know this is his offense right i mean he, there's it's, it's his um and so that's going to be really important for them this year to reach their potential as a football team
1: yeah any other thoughts on the cowboys
0: um i don't think so i i we like to ask ourselves the questions if they got better or not um And I I would say with the arrival of Cooks, the arrival of Gilmore, the arrival of Mozzie Smith. Smith. Yes. What did they – they lost Connor McGovern and Zeke. What else did they lose? And their
1: offensive coordinator. By choice. By choice. I like it. And then especially they turn around and bring back Zeke. It's like, okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're good. Yeah.
1: So I I think this is a better team than what it was last year. This team won 12 games each the last two years. They put themselves firmly in a position to comp- contend for a Super Bowl. Things in the postseason just need to go differently than what they have the last couple of years. Cleveland Browns tomorrow, Seattle <clears> Seahawks <throat> on Friday. Not looking forward to figuring out what bucket to put a few players on that Browns roster in. But Watch the tape and
0: try to figure it out. Watch the
1: tape and try to figure it out. So you're going to want to hit subscribe. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you to your favorite podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs. He is Joe Marino. We are the Draft Dudes, locked on NFL scouting. Hope you guys enjoyed this show and discussion on the Cowboys. We're out of here. Peace.